Well, I think you are all well aware that we preach straight through on Sunday mornings, and we're in the Gospel of John, and the message I've been working on all this week might not seem to be the most appropriate right now in these circumstances, but it's where we come in our study. And by God's grace, I pray that we will discover truth together that will help us understand the kingdom of God. The war in Ukraine has taken our eyes off other conflicts in the world, but they're still going on. And the current conflict in the Middle East has been going on since I was a year old, yes? It's been 74 years since it was decided that Jews had more right to Palestine than did the Palestinians. But they're still fighting over whether that is true or not. And while preachers and politicians argue over who's right, the search for truth in the Middle East continues. I do believe, however, that we can find the needed truth if we'll look again at what took place in a courtroom in the Middle East nearly 2,000 years ago. And the first thing we learn is that truth may not be found in religious convictions. We're in John 18, verses 28 to 32. They led Jesus, therefore, from Caiaphas into the praetorium, and it was early. And they themselves did not enter into the praetorium in order that they might not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Pilate, therefore, went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Pilate, therefore, said to him, or said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, We're not permitted to put anyone to death, that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. The Jewish leaders were not interested in a fair trial when they took Jesus to Pilate. They had long before determined that he should die. They didn't care if what he had said was true or not. They didn't like how what he said would affect them, and they wanted him silenced. They'd already condemned him in their religious courts, but now had to get the Roman stamp of approval to execute him. They therefore led him into the praetorium at first light, or I should say, they led him to the praetorium. They wouldn't enter it. To do so would defile them and prevent them from eating the Passover, which they had apparently not eaten the night before because they were too busy putting together a mob to arrest Jesus. It's almost humorous that they were afraid to defile themselves by going into a Gentile courtroom but weren't afraid to arrange for the execution of an innocent man. Be that as it may, Pilate 
came out to them and asked what charge they brought against Jesus. Their answer was very elusive. They knew blasphemy wouldn't carry any weight with the Romans, so they said, we wouldn't have brought him here if he wasn't an evildoer. Pilate sensed that their charges were ridiculous according to Roman law, so he said, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. Their intentions became perfectly clear when they responded, we can't put anyone to death. At that point in the narrative, John notes that it was because the Jews were no longer allowed to execute anyone that what Jesus had said about the manner of his death could be fulfilled. He had said he would be lifted up, signifying a crucifixion, which, by the way, would also fulfill the prophecy that the Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced. Had the Jews been able to execute him, they would have stoned him to death in keeping with the Old Testament penalty for blasphemy. But according to the Talmud, judgment in matters of life and death was taken away from Israel 40 years before the destruction of the temple. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD, so it was 30 AD when the Jews lost their right to execute anyone, which, of course, perfectly set the stage for the Messiah to be crucified according to prophecy. John's account of what took place in the courtroom is very interesting. But what can we learn from it about finding truth in the Middle East? I believe we should learn, first of all, that we've got to be very careful about believing all we're told by religious leaders about events in the Middle East. What the Jewish authorities said about Jesus was not true. And, sad to say, intentional blindness to the truth abounds in religion. Radical Muslim clerics incite terrorism by insisting that Allah wants his enemies destroyed. They promote terrible atrocities on religious grounds. Israel does the same thing. They believe they remain God's chosen people and have a divine right to the land promised to Abraham and his descendants, a claim that fuels the Arab-Israeli conflict and has led to continual fighting and even out-and-out war. And there are American Christians who fervently believe God is on the side of the modern state of Israel and that failure to support whatever they do puts us as a nation in conflict with God. So yes, Christians can be blinded by religious convictions as easily as can Jews and Muslims. So we've got to go beyond religious claims to find the truth. But should we turn to secular political leaders to find it? I don't think so. Because even the best of them can be ignorant of the truth. 
Pilate, therefore, entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests delivered you up to me. What have you done? Pilate could tell he'd get nowhere questioning the Jews. So he decided to personally question Jesus. He retreated into his judgment chamber and had Jesus brought to him. He began the questioning with a statement that's a bit hard to interpret. Most translations make it a simple question, are you the king of the Jews? But it can also be translated as an exclamation, so you're the king of the Jews? Now, there's no way to know if it was spoken in ridicule or sincerity, but Jesus' response does seem to indicate Pilate was making more of a statement than asking a question. But he was raising the question of Jesus being a king, and Jesus had no way of knowing what he was really asking. According to Luke, the Jews had come up with three charges when pressed by Pilate. They said Jesus was misleading the nation, that he was forbidding the pain of taxes, which was a bold-faced lie, and that he was claiming to be the Messiah, a king. Pilate was obviously most concerned about the charge that Jesus was a king and wanted to know if he did indeed consider himself to be a king. Jesus could not, however, just give a yes or no answer. If Pilate was asking if Jesus was the politically subversive kind of king that the Jews were making him out to be, the answer would be no. But if Pilate was simply asking if Jesus was some kind of king, the answer would be yes. So Jesus asked, Are you saying this on your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? In other words, are you wondering how I see myself or how the Jews see me? Pilate responded, I'm not a Jew, am I? He really didn't understand what the Jews were saying. But they were making the charges, and he was being asked to render a decision. So he pointedly asked Jesus, what have you done? He handled it as well as he could under the circumstances. He was in a precarious position politically. He had crossed the Jews before and had been reprimanded by Rome for doing so. But he really didn't have the background to understand all that was going on. His perspective on the situation was limited due to his lack of religious knowledge. He wasn't sure what to do, but was caught in the middle. He didn't want to condemn an innocent man That would be a miscarriage of justice. But he couldn't risk a religious riot either, so he played the politician and sought a compromise with little concern for the truth. The bottom line is that he was called upon to act without having the complete picture. And that is where secular political leaders find themselves more often than not, especially in regard to the Middle East. Even good men are ignorant of the truth 
if they limit themselves to the loudest voice of religious leaders or secular sources of information. Because truth, ultimate truth, does not come from either. Absolute truth can only come from God. Because he is the only one who knows everything absolutely. So the only reliable truth on the Middle East has to come directly from God. We might even call it divine truth. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting that I might not be delivered up to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Pilate therefore said to him, So you are king? Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Jesus admitted to being a king and said he was born a king. And he intimated something I'm sure Pilate missed when he added, for this I have come into the world. Jesus had come into this world from another world. He had come from the very presence of God to bear witness to the truth here. He had come to reveal to men the truth about themselves and the cause of all their problems as well as a solution. He had come to tell us things about ourselves and our world that we could never discover on our own. Things related to both our origin and our destiny. So those who want to know the absolute truth about anything must listen to the voice of God. A voice that came directly from heaven before Christ and after he came was spoken on earth in the Middle East. Jesus is God. He took on flesh to dwell among us and when he spoke, he spoke with the voice of God. While on earth, he was God in the flesh and when he spoke, he spoke absolute truth. Truth that was not limited by human reasoning and experiences, nor distorted by misguided or self-aggrandizing religious convictions. And what he said to Pilate about the nature of his kingdom is extremely relevant to questions about the Middle East. For he clearly states, that his kingdom is not of this world. 
that has obvious relevance to the claims of Israel and to the claims of those who would have us believe that a messianic kingdom will soon be established in Jerusalem and that to oppose the nation of Israel is to oppose the kingdom of God. Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world. It wasn't 2,000 years ago, and it won't be in the future. Someday, new heavens and a new earth will be the place where righteousness dwells. But this world will have passed away by then. So no, the kingdom of God is not a political kingdom on earth. And Jesus never intended to establish it as such. The Jews of his day expected him to do so and rejected him because he didn't. And there are Jews today, as well as many Christians, who believe that is still his plan. But Jesus made it very clear that his kingdom is not of this world. If it were true, he said his servants would have fought to establish it as such. And that tells us something very important about the ongoing conflicts in the Middle East. They are not battles to establish the kingdom of God on earth. And, I might add, they are not preliminary battles that will lead to Armageddon. The kingdom of God is not established by fighting physical battles, not by Muslims, Jews, or Christians. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. Jesus even said the kingdom of God is within you. Our battles are therefore spiritual in nature. And in spiritual warfare, we use spiritual weapons and trust in spiritual defenses. Spiritual warfare has nothing to do with planes and tanks and bombs and missiles. Does that mean there are no spiritual implications in what's going on in the Middle East? Not at all. Decisions made by religious and political leaders in the Middle East have always had an effect on the kingdom of God. Sometimes they have benefited the spread of the gospel, and other times they have hindered it. So it's my prayer that religious leaders would listen to the voice of God as revealed in Scripture and not to popular religious voices that distort the truth and write fictional scenarios. And that political leaders would strive to be the ministers of God that Paul said God intends them to be and that he then used them to bring at least some degree of justice and peace on earth. It's also my prayer that we, in the church, listen only to the voice of Christ. Jesus said those of the truth hear his voice. So let's do everything we can to make sure we 
and our elected leaders are listening to him and not to the voice of misguided religious convictions or secular ignorance as decisions are made that affect us all. I find it ironic that when Jesus was face to face with Jesus, he asked the question, what is truth? Truth was standing before him, but he didn't recognize it. When questioned by Thomas about where he was going and how his disciples would know where to go, Jesus clearly answered the truth question. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. He then added, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. Absolute truth was revealed to us by Christ and has been confirmed by the Spirit of truth who indwells us. Now it's up to us to get that truth out. Jesus is the answer to personal conflicts and to international conflicts. And we can find the truth on the Middle East if we'll just look to the one who spoke the truth in the Middle East nearly 2,000 years ago. It's my prayer today that all would turn their eyes upon Jesus and find the truth that abides only in him.